0: We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 265, aka Year 6, Week 15. Coming at you this week, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with
1: MC Ken Schoolin.
0: All right, and since this is your weekly call-in show, even though you guys don't call, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you guys this week? Any big news uh, coming out of the five O state?
2: Well, yesterday there was a protest
0: at the Capitol
2: in, in Oahu. In Honolulu and uh, three people were arrested and I think eight more were given citations and uh, so I actually think it's a good thing Um, I'm glad it wasn't me because I don't like uh, interfacing with uh, those uh, status uh, especially the ones that work for the government Um, so at least now they can say no this is wrong and they can take it to the court and then the court can uh, say that, no, we have the right to do this, and then you can take it to a higher court, and that court can say, no, we have the right to do this, and you take it to a higher court, and they say, ah, that's bullshit.
0: So what were, <laughs> what were they arrested for?
2: I
1: don't know. I don't, okay. even, I don't even know if they know. I think it was a violation of the governor's orders of, um, you know, uh, well, I don't know exactly how, that, but it was, it was a violation of the governor's orders for uh, staying at home. Which is okay. ironic because they just announced that um, they were opening up uh, parks and beaches for walking, for exercise. Exercise had been allowed uh, in the beach. Uh, you could swim, you could boogie board, you could surf. Just can't exercise uh, your freedom. <laughs> and you can get to the beach, but you can't uh, sort of lounge at the beach and stand there. And so I guess it's, it's um, maybe it's standing. If they had been, been uh, you know, exercising, walking in a... In, like, a picket line. Or dancing, even. Yeah, then that might have been uh, considered (laughs) exercise. Um, And I found it interesting, too, that the the newspapers also reported on nurses and medical people who went out to protest the protesters standing at the edge of the protest. How do they have time for this? Well, the irony is they didn't get arrested. (laughs) So it was clearly uh, a a targeted arrest procedure. Not everybody was arrested. I don't know exactly what it took uh, to get a citation. Maybe That was going to be my follow-up question. I,
2: I was told that some of them uh, were calling the cops names and stuff like that. And so oh, you're allowed to. They can't. That's well, not an arrestable offense. That's what I thought. But somebody else on Facebook posted that, no, you, you can't do that. You can definitely get arrested if you do that. Oh, it's you like, can,
0: but then that's, that's a whole different grounds for suit. That's
2: yeah. well established at high levels. About getting arrested for calling cops names.
0: Yeah, you you that you know. I don't remember if it's, it's like the circuit courts or the Supreme Court, but you you can one hundred percent yell at cops and call them names uh, with without you know, and that's not provocation on your part to get arrested. Well, that's
2: that's what I'm saying, but some people and I think the cops believe it is
0: right, but. In doing so, they open themselves up to those protesters for even more litigation because it's going to be an unlawful arrest. Again, it's been well decided at the higher courts, Um, so there's going to be some settlement, and those people are going to get some cash out of it if they play their cards right. Yeah, and who will pay
1: the settlement?
2: It will be fucking taxpayers.
1: taxpayers. That's right. It won't be the people who did it. There will be no penalty to them, Uh, and certainly not to the governor. Got rid of all the taxpayers,
2: and we wouldn't have this problem.
0: I wish (laughs) I, I, there's gotta be like a distinction between taxpayer and tax victim. Right. Right. Because I feel bad for tax victims. I don't necessarily feel as bad as I used to for taxpayers. Mm. Right. Like if you're out there and you're like, like, I love what they're doing. And you know, this is the price we pay for a civilized society. Well, then you deserve it. Like you're getting what you deserve. But if you're like, no, I pay because I'm scared that they're going to take my kids and they're going to burn down my house and they're going to steal my property, you know, and this is, you know, this is my tribute to them because it's the only way to live. I'm more sympathetic, you know, it's hard. It's hard to advocate that you protest all the way, right? Like, you know, uh, the the issue comes up uh, on occasion on free talk live when I'm sitting there and the response I get is well, you can't, you can't tax protest with your property because then you're just giving the government a house, Right? They will take it. I go, yeah, but then what, right? Is it if that's the situation, do we just give up? Like is it is, is even that type of protest pointless? If so, like why even have
1: the discussion? If they're just gonna do it anyway? you know? I think one of the uh, strong pushback points that the protesters have about everything the government is doing now is that the government, in addition to telling people they have to stay home, also tossed out all the sunshine laws they most made the most strident um refutation of transparency laws in the state so that there are closed meetings closed hearings no public access um and it's uh of course if i mean indefensible if they felt that they had some logic or reason for implementing their actions all the more reason to explain why and tell everybody and how they're doing it, why they're doing it, who they're doing it to, but uh, by tossing out all of the transparency legislation and under emergency measures, what's the emergency? Well, it's for the safety. You can't have
0: all of those people crowded
1: into like a bill hearing. Well, but they could. They don't even put them online. There was supposed to be a hearing on uh, the the railroad, for example, and about whether to approve certain. Uh, Uh, contracts for overruns and um, the meeting was supposed to be online but they had technical difficulties and it 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 wasn't broadcast to everybody in their homes wherever they were Uh, but instead they went ahead and voted on the measures anyway so you know it's it's a (laughs) I wish that more people in the state would get uh, savvy to the corruption that goes on here (laughs)
2: Well, no, they want to. They want to be part of that corruption.
1: Well, that's
0: true. But what would happen if they were like this? This is the other thing. Like, how far down this road do we want to go? Right. The people become savvy. Right. This was uh, uh, was Edward Snowden's like biggest critique of his own whistleblowing. Right. He's like, I thought it would have done more and would have woken people up. Right. <laughs> but people, they got all that information. They saw all the corruption it was all laid out on the table. And two weeks later, business as usual, right?
1: Well, it wasn't really business as usual. It turns out that while the government criticized him uh, for all that he did, they did take some countermeasures uh, in response to what he, uh, some of the things that he said they yeah. that they should do. They made it legal.
2: All the stuff well, that's that they're the laws, yeah. they made it legal publicly. <laughs>
0: But I, I think he was more uh, speaking about the public outcry, right? The people standing up in defense, you know, of themselves and their liberties and their privacy against what the state is doing, and then no one cared, right? Like, so then what, right? Like, what what do you want to see? I, you know, this might be rhetorical, but what do you want to see happen uh, if people in Hawaii woke up and visibly saw the corruption,
1: right? Vote libertarian. Well, I no, I I think that you can't say that people are totally uh numb to or unresponsive to corruption they do respond that's why officials feel they have to end uh cut off the transparency because they they do believe that the public does respond to these things um there was a, a a mayor over on the big island you may remember many years ago uh, Dante Carpenter. He was a very popular, well-funded, um, well-heeled uh, mayor, and a, a shirt, a T-shirt candidate ran against him, Bernard Akana. No money behind him, just standing out there with a sign. And uh, but the cloud of of suspicion and and arrogance and corruption that that uh, uh, that uh, clouded or, or or swooped over the uh, mayor. Uh, essentially brought a public backlash, and they voted Bernard Akana into office. It was the biggest surprise to him because he had nothing going for him in terms of the the usual money and fame and, and uh, support, but he won. Right. And I think that it's instances like that that do occasionally remind the politicians, hey, you know, uh, we may be corrupt, but at least we've got to be careful about... Um, it and how much of it, it gets out to the public because they they will respond i mean there were those people down at the at the uh capitol building protesting uh the shutdown and so on and and obviously it was sensitive to the people in power that they sent out the uh, the police in great numbers uh, to kind of squelch it
0: yeah no i hear you but the, i get when i when i hear what you say happened with that mayor race right a politician, you know, albeit not a good one, was still elected, right?
1: No, it, no. He, he lost the election. The guy that won was Bernard Akana, who defeated him. Yeah, it was a no. total surprise. Yeah, but what? But but you
0: still have a mayor, right? There was still a political candidate that got elected to the office of mayor, wasn't the one everyone was expecting. And why I'm saying maybe not a good politician because he had nothing behind him, no backing, whatever, right? So we, you know. He may not have been an establishment politician, but life goes on, right? People go like, ah, the system works. This is why we have democracy and we hold elections. It reinforces, you know, that that's a viable solution and the system
1: carries on. Well, it does. But I think you can't be so cynical as to say that these guys are totally... uh, unconcerned about public opinion. I think public opinion matters to them a lot uh, because, you know, they they want to look like good guys. That's also part of the problem, though. Go on. Part of the problem of
2: public opinion is, well, sometimes the public is wrong, too. Sure. Well, for example, in Hawaii, the the public uh, voted for the rail, even though the rail was a big scam. It was an obvious scam, uh, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for it to be obvious but it they still wanted the rail (laughs) so it's like what do you do you you know well if the public wants it
0: public
1: gets it right well even though you say the public voted for it it wasn't a unanimous vote it was probably you know i don't remember, remember the exact percentages but you've got uh maybe 55% versus 45%. Sure. There's but 45% they're... that voted against it. Maybe now there'd be enough people on the on the fence or the people who sat at home if they were asked again today maybe they would be in opposition to it knowing what they do now. Yeah. But the point is that, you know, you uh uh public opinion isn't a single entity. It's it's uh, a million more than a million people, 1.2 million people. Some of them go along with it and others don't. Okay.
2: Well, but we're all kind of forced to go along with it in in a way.
1: That's the problem. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you about that. That's that is the problem, but uh well, I don't know. I think we were just saying does it matter to politicians? I I think we could have a hell of a lot more corruption than we do. The only reason that they're as cautious and as careful and as and as conniving as they are is because they do feel like they have to be worried about um the exposure you know there there is media and uh, social media and and uh civil Beat, grassroot institute a lot of uh, other sources of information about what they're doing and criticizing them and they're uh if they were totally in power and it had no nothing to worry about the populace i think they'd be much much worse and more obvious than they are and you think
0: that the their their main fear is just that being voted out of office right that's the only thing they have to concern themselves with i i i have to do a little bit for the public else my term will be cut short
1: yeah there were surprises uh, like um uh even the democrats even though the democratic power is 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 a, a, a one-party rule here? There's always battles between the parties. I mean, D- Neil Abercrombie was a one-term candidate. Uh, David Ige you know, uh, defeated him by surprise. Uh, for many years, Ed Case, well, he won and then he lost and then he won again. Uh, there are different factions even among the Democratic uh, supporters that uh, are worried about losing their grip on power. And they can do it from, uh, you know, the 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 factions in their own group. So the question was once posed,
0: and my answer wasn't very well liked. They said, "What would what would it take for libertarians to finally win?" Right, and I said they have to lie. They have to lie True. to people. <laughs> they have to they have to lie to the voting public to make them think that they're the candidate that the public wants, and then. You know, affect libertarian policies once in office, right? And they said, well, then you're going to have a one term. And I said, yes, you're right. But one of the great things about, you know, being, you know, of the liberty mindset is you can lean left and you can lean right, right? So in order for that to be effective long term, you need to have libertarian controlled opposition, right? Tactics that work for the other guys that for some, you know, principled reason, which I totally respect by the way, Uh, for some principled reason libertarians refuse to like play the game that way right, so you have, you know, you have your libertarian candidate, he lies to the public, he gets in office, he passes libertarian policies the public is outraged because how could he deceive us like that Uh, and meanwhile you have libertarian candidate B uh, speaking out against libertarian candidate in office, right so they're like, oh no, I, I am the one, right, who will who will set you, you know, who give back all the stuff, the free stuff that you want, right? And get that guy popular. And so, like, your Libertarian A guy has one term, uh, but Libertarian B gets in the office and continues the same policies for more freedom and more liberty, right? And then, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, because that's what they do. That's what Republicans and Democrats do. You know, so what? You You vote out a Republican and in comes a Democrat and more of the same. So you vote out the Democrat, and in comes Republican, and more, more of the same, it's a little bit different, right? More talk about welfare, less talk about wars, and then goes more talk about wars, less talk about welfare. You know, whatever. But if you, but the 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 effective way, in my opinion, and the reason I believe it to be effective is because that's what they do, that's what Republicans and Democrats do uh, to maintain their control over the political process. Uh, you just do it as well. Right, you 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 put forth a candidate that says all the good things that people want to hear. You know, more money, more welfare, more you know, raise the minimum wage and free money for all and health care and blah, blah blah, and then re- repeals everything that they can until they get voted out of office, uh, and then you you have your own, like I said your own controlled opposition to to carry the mantle going forward and see how that works. Right? What do you think of that, Ken? MC?
2: Yeah, let's do it. What
0: yeah, what let's mean? do it.
2: Not I'm too not obvious. you.
0: obvious. <laughs> too obvious. That was the other thing that I said, especially here, right? Like, you know, I'm, I mean, you guys are in Hawaii. I'm here in New Hampshire. I moved part of the free state project, yada, yada, yada. Uh, here, the way to do that is for someone to be a, a, a political in the system guy, right? But have zero association with the free state project because associating with the free state project carries with it negative connotations, believe it or not. In the live, free, or die state. How that occurs? Don't fucking know, but it's there. So you'd have to have like, you know, the, the, the surreptitious candidate who comes in speaks out against the free estate project, uh, only to tear his shirt off and, you know, reveal himself to be a FSP member all along once elected in the office. You know, there was a, a gentleman who was running for like a, an open seat or something like that in a nearby town, um, a few months ago. It's like a special election runoff or whatever. You know, and they, he had a personal satire website up, right? And they like, you know, so of course, he's associated with the the satire website. uh, And that's all his opponents, like, would point to. Like, look, this is what he believes. This is what he thinks. This is his website with his views and the views of those free staters who are coming here to change our, you know, state for the better, I might add, right? More liberty, more freedom for the better. Um, then he lost, right? <laughs> but you know, he was a strong enough, ca- he was a strong enough candidate to have like made it through the primary process. Like he was, you know, he was the Republican, uh, uh, candidate going up against the democratic candidate. So he beat out the other Republican candidates, uh, in, you know, in this special runoff and I like Oh yeah, pretty good. Good job. You know, fucking congratulations to you. Um, uh, but uh, you know, believe believe what you want. But his association with that with, with that satire website was probably his downfall in the eyes of the regular voter. Whereas if he had zero association with that, just you know, spoke on message of whatever that was going to be, and then you know, voted you know once once in office, right? V- voted in favor of liberty and freedom. Uh, you think you got a better shot, especially if you can you know, especially if and I don't know if anyone's able to do this here right? Because again, I'm, I'm not the political guy. I just, I have ideas and someone else can run with them. Uh, especially if someone here could like, if there was some like politician training program on how to be an effective politician and not, you know, the libertarian candidate, right? Like, you know, Liberty candidates don't win. If you want to be on message and, you know, do the thing that's fine too. Right. The, the question that was posed was how do you win? I think the only way to win is through deceit, and you know lying to people in order to get votes.
2: Yeah, and that's the default way anyway.
0: Which is why I don't understand why libertarians just don't take that take that tried and true method and apply it to their own elections. If it works, do it. Because the, because they get kicked out of the Libertarian Party. That's why. <laughs> that's okay. You don't want to be associated. <laughs> Again, again, right. this, is, this so you, is a covert yeah, op, so man. You don't want to be associated with the Libertarian Party. Right, right. So you, you want mean, to be associated with the party that wins, right, and then do Libertarian things once you get into office.
2: And it can work in some, some examples without even lying, like, uh, you know, Ron Paul did. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, lying is the easy way, and I think that's what politicians do in general. You know, nobody, nobody trusts politicians anyway.
0: Exactly. And then, again, sustained sustained controlled opposition. Uh, The other thing, before we get too far off topic, uh, this was also in the news and it hit social media um, as long as we're talking about protests. Do you have any more to say about the Hawaii protests or can we jump on from that? I think we can jump on then. All right, so this was the, uh, I believe it was Michigan protest, right where, where armed white males stormed the Capitol and basically, like, took it over in their form of protest. Excuse me. And the reason I bring that up is because the narrative, right, that I see on social media uh, with that with that protest is, why were these armed white guys allowed to storm the Capitol and terrorize the governor? Uh, but, it, but if it was, like, you know, Native Americans or African Americans or, you know, brown people of any color, right, they, they would have been met. With violence and resistance, uh, much like the you know the Native American protesters at the Dakota Pipeline, like Native Americans can, can't even protest on their own land without being shot by rubber bullets, but these armed white males can terrorize the governor, you know, with with, with zero consequence. Uh, and the narrative that I see on social media is it's because you know they were white and the other people were not. So it's clearly a racial issue, um, and I've, I've done my best as, as, as I scroll through these things to point out that, no, not really a racial issue, it's more of a one group was carrying tools of self-defense and, and had substantial numbers, and one group wasn't. And the one group that wasn't carrying weapons of you know, self-defense in substantial numbers uh, got assaulted by the state, and the group that was carrying weapons of self-defense in substantial numbers... Uh, did not. So your thoughts, Ken, MC. Is, am I wrong? Is this really a racial issue? Is the only reason that those protesters uh, remained unmolested was because they were white males?
2: No, I think it's because they had guns.
0: I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, are, are we just saying that because this is a you know, podcast generally won by white males and therefore we can't see through our own racial bias and privilege?
2: Um, I don't know. Ah, I'll let, I let, I let the audience judge me. That's fine. They do it anyway. Ken, your thoughts on the on the Michigan protest?
1: I, I don't really know enough about uh, it, the two to make contrast uh, opinions. Um, you could say that in Hawaii, there was the Hawaii uh, groups, the Hawaiian groups that were protesting the uh, the telescope on... Mauna Kea and I don't know I it seems to me they they were faced with certain police um, uh, pushback just as the the protesters were down at the Capitol the other day I mean I I, I really don't want to say anything about Michigan I I don't know enough about either those circumstances to, to make a judgment call
0: were the were the Mauna Kea protesters and the Capitol protesters uh, this go round were they well armed and prepared for uh, defense? No, in neither case, they're in Hawaii. Okay, and would you would you say that would you assume maybe or make a presumption, go out on a limb, and say that things may have gone differently uh, for the Mauna Kea protesters and the Capitol protesters had they been. Carrying tools of
1: self-defense in substantial numbers. Oh yeah, I'm, I imagine they would have been. I, I think the state uh, government is, you know, has very strict uh, gun-carrying laws, and and wouldn't uh, and would feel very threatened and challenged by that. And either group that had it would would be faced with a a response, a police response.
0: Okay, now. Again, I'll, I, you don't have to be completely filled in. In Michigan, the police response was minimal, uh, because again, armed, armed, armed people, uh, you know, carrying the tools of self-defense in substantial numbers. You're suggesting that in Hawaii, and I've, I've always considered this an anomaly, right? With with the, with the Hawaii gun laws and gun violence and all that other stuff. You're saying in Hawaii, had there been an armed protest they would have been met with more violence and more resistance because it's an even more substantial threat as not being part of the
1: culture. Well, see, I don't know what the laws are like in Michigan. I am assuming by the story that it is legal to carry a gun uh, to such an event in Michigan. I don't know that to be true either. uh, But I'm quite sure that it is not legal to be carrying a gun openly here in Hawaii. That is definitely true. You can take a gun to the shooting range. Um, It can only be in a secured box uh, from your home to the shooting range and back and it's not even supposed to be um, a pathway that goes through to the grocery store on the way, you know. Uh, The laws are pretty strict on that and I think the police would have would have jumped on that if anybody had uh, been seen carrying a gun at this this, uh, protest.
0: Well, it wouldn't just be one person carrying a gun. It would be like every protester, right, heavily armed, asserting their rights,
1: right? Well, I, just, I don't know, but even the one in Michigan, I'm assuming that it wasn't every protester there was carrying a gun. I assume that probably a couple were, and the media focused on those people. Isn't that the case? Uh,
0: that's not, well, That's that might be what the media portrays, but that's where I get my information from, so... As far as I know, there were, you know, there were more than just a couple of protesters with, 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 with weapons, right? It was, it was an armed protest, right? Here, here in New Hampshire, uh, again, we have uh, constitutional carry here, so you can be armed at any time. You can conceal carry at any time, right? So theoretically, every protest is an armed protest. You just don't know who's carrying, Right. But the, but in Michigan they made they made a special display out of it to ensure that their protest and their voices would be heard, um, and we we can get off of that if you know since you you don't have uh, enough information you know to give an informed opinion so let's just stick with Hawaii right you're you're saying in effect that it would not be a good idea to conduct an armed protest to assert your rights in Hawaii
1: because the response would be more severe absolutely yeah okay I'd like to maybe go back to this other comment that you made about uh to get elected you need to lie i i think well I'd, probably the biggest liars are the ones that have the certainly the the greatest edge in any political race but that's because um the law treats lying in the commercial marketplace differently than in the political marketplace suppose you're a business person and and you lie constantly about your product. Ah, buy this car. Uh, it has an engine in it. And then you buy it, and then you open up the hood, and you find out it doesn't have an engine in it. Like an old you Volkswagen would, Beetle. Yeah, you would you would sue, and the and the government, the courts would stand behind you on a on a suit um, of false advertising, misrepresentation, fraud, and um, therefore the hammer of the law would come down against the fraud, the deceit, and so people, knowing that that was going to happen, they don't do it, you know, I mean, they, they might on a rare occasion do it, and try, thinking they can get away with it, but the law is on the side of the of the uh, victim of that case. Take a look at the political arena. If you lie, as everybody expects politicians to, there's never an opportunity to, to sue for Misrepresentation, false advertising, and fraud. Well, the, the, um, the opportunity comes four years
0: later. That's what we talked
1: about. Well, I know him, but so it seems to me that mommy uh, I mean I, years ago, I managed a campaign for a young student of mine who was running for the state house in uh, in Alaska, and uh, he he thought, well, let's let's put forward a a unique notion. Um, I will give you a money back guarantee that if you contribute to my campaign. Uh, I will support these promises and if I violate any of these promises, um, then you have a money-back guarantee. In other words, I have to give you back the money that you contributed to my campaign. He thought it would be a good way to um, uh, challenge his opponent who, of course, couldn't promise anything. And when asked about it, he says, oh, well, you know, conditions change. Uh, but then, of course, you shouldn't promise things. Um, if it's dependent on conditions, you know, conditions changing. You can only promise what you can deliver. And so, um, well, of course, he he didn't win the race, but he he, he thought of proposing this new concept that ought to be a part of every uh, campaign contribution uh, request for any candidate. And uh, this, uh, we wrote an article about it, published it in Student Lawyer magazine, and, the, the well, we didn't publish the article. It, uh, somebody else wrote an article about this uh, campaign notion. And they concluded, well, it would probably be illegal um, for someone to promise that in exchange for money they will give uh, a guarantee of their promise because that would be considered a quid pro quo. Yeah. The money you gave was for a specific action, and that would be illegal. So the politicians have even made it not only... Um not punishable for fraud, but it made it illegal to guarantee um your actions so it's it's so completely contrary to what we expect in the marketplace to guarantee honest behavior among in the commercial market and it guarantees dishonest behavior in the in the political market so what do you expect um so it it might be worth uh promoting this idea among uh, among uh, people seeking funds that if if they're seeking funds from people who are tired of being lied to um, then try to promote uh, the money-back guarantee for campaign contributions
0: so I don't I don't know the whole story here Um, prior to my arrival as when I was just following the goings-on of the Free State Project in New Hampshire um, there was a local politician uh, who did something similar, right? The, the, I forget, I think it's the House of Representatives here, or maybe it's the Senate or both, I don't remember. Uh, but here in New Hampshire, there's a lot of them, um, and you don't get paid very well. So you get like, you know, a 100 bucks a year for two terms, whatever. So you get like 200 bucks as an elected official. Like, that's your paycheck from the state. Uh, and so this local politician promised uh, to not take the paycheck and to like, you know, return the funds to the taxpayers, and, you know, uh, the opponent did the same thing. File the, file the suit, file the claim, say, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to give back your paycheck uh, to the people who are paying you, right? You you it's, you it's can't promise that. Um, so, the, the, the you know, this local politician got in trouble. And again, if I'm mistelling that story and you know the real thing, please just correct me. I've been going from memory from, like, maybe a decade or more ago at this point. Um, but that's basically what happened, right? She said, like, I'll I'll give back the money that they were going to be paying me because I don't really need it and I'm not here for the money. I'm here to, you know, to make an impact, to make a change. Uh, and her opponent said, no, you can't do that.
1: You're not allowed. So I don't know. I, I'm surprised. I don't see how the government could require him to accept it because— by accepting it and returning it, I mean, by accepting it, it's his to do with whatever he wants. Are they saying, well, you're accepting it, but there are strings attached to this paycheck that uh, is only you're allowed to spend it in certain ways? I mean, yeah, if you give it, it back, or it was the same don't quid pro It was the same quid pro quo. Yeah.
0: No, oh, no, but it's I, the same I, quid pro I, quo. I, yeah. Right? It was if you if you're promising to give taxpayers money, right, if they vote for you, then you're buying the votes.
1: You can't do that. Well, every polit- we, we 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 know that they allow every politician to promise everything under the sun to their constituents. Um, everything else, you know, we, we promise to raise your social security benefits. We promise to cut your taxes. We promise to build a bridge. All of those are promises um, to the voters. How is this any different? I don't understand. I don't know because it's because it's actual money, right? It's not. It's not
0: public uh, public projects or programs for the benefit of
1: all, right? It's it's just given was it that. just challenged by his opponent or was it processed in the court and uh, in that manner? That I, I, I don't remember. Be surprised if the court would actually side with the opponent. Uh, the opponent can say anything he wants, but uh, getting by with it uh, through the court it would be another matter.
0: I don't I don't remember if it was actually adjudicated in court, but it was. It was shown that that act of offering to not take the paycheck uh, and to redistribute it to the taxpayers uh, was found to be illegal. Whether that was you know by the court or by someone just going nope, here written right in the bylaws, you can't do that. Uh, so take it back, or you know you're you, you know not allowed to run. I don't remember the I don't remember the conclusion. I just remember it being you know found to be uh, illegal and, and
1: not allowed. I guess it would be better <laughs> Actually, the easiest way for him to do it, um, it seems to me, without any penalty at all, is just refuse to cash the check because then he doesn't get the money. The money never leaves the government coffers in the first place. Ah, but it and doesn't return to the taxpayers. Well, of course it does. It it doesn't ever leave the tax, uh, the, the budget, um, the, the, the coffers of the government in the first place because he didn't cash the check, uh, you know. He didn't have to do anything. They can't force him to sign the check and, and endorse it and, and take the money. I, I would really be surprised if they could actually stand over him with a guard and say, you have to uh, sign this and deposit it in your bank account. Right. I, I think we maybe we're just having a, a misunderstanding.
0: I agree with you on that aspect of it.
2: But technicality.
0: <laughs> yeah, consider it a technicality. If it, st- if it stays in the government coffers, right? it's not being returned to the taxpayers.
2: It's well, just that the, the government will have to not tax as much in the future
1: because they already have the money. Maybe. Well, oh, what was he going to do? If Okay, if it's a $200 check and there's... Uh, maybe you could say, well, then he was going to cash it and then somehow distribute it yeah, penny, I don't know. a penny at a time to each taxpayer. Maybe. Uh, Why not? Well, <laughs> It makes it
0: sound even more ridiculous when he's like, this is all
1: you're paying your politician. But yeah,
0: I mean... So I the the, the main point the, the crux of it was you know the whole quid pro quo thing, right? The I'll, I promise you know the money back guarantee that I promise to return funds, um, is like you said is frowned upon uh, at the very least, maybe illegal um, in their system in 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 their their playing field of how they operate their elections and. You know. yeah
1: of course they, all the others are embarrassed by an action like that because they uh they benefit by the system as it is and they don't want to see somebody uh raising embarrassing alternatives or questions about it yeah because they're not playing the game right they're you're you're not playing
0: our game right you're not you're not being a a politician in this like yeah you're right we're not we're, we're, we're trying to do something different. Maybe represent the people. No, I'm not buying into that either. But whatever. Anything else? No, Let's move on. All right. Uh, anything else from UMC? Or do you want headlines? Headlines. Are we ready? Headlines. Yeah. Headlines. Okay. Here's another armed protest for you, Ken. Armed supporters show up to guard Dallas salon, defying COVID-19 stay-at-home order. Uh, headline: Hawaiian Brewery under investigation for hand sanitizer giveaway. Headline: Don't trace me, bro. Just say no to contact tracing. Do you guys know what that is? Contact tracing.
1: Is that, uh, have not have exactly. you been familiarizing yourself like with that term? Like uh, the apps for your phone that trace whether or not you've come into contact with an, or into range of somebody who's gotten. Yep. Good. Uh, All right. You're on point, Ken. The disease. Yeah. All right, okay. headline,
0: Tyson Foods offers workers $1,000 bonus to return to Corona factories. And here's a loaded one. Headline, what is government's proper role in reopening the food economy? Any place in particular? That's it. Any place in particular you guys want to start this week, Ken, MC? I
2: uh, no,
0: Anywhere. Anyone. All right. Let's do the don't trace me, bro. Because this, this is another, oh, geez, so insidious. So, this whole thing, just so fucking
1: frustrating on so many levels.
0: <laughs> don't
1: trace me, bro. Just say no to your hey content. Hey, Ranch, are you, yes. are you um, getting excited about these things here? I don't I don't want you to get a heart attack and uh, no, I'm not. have
0: medical troubles because of this. <laughs> you know, if I did have medical troubles because of this, they probably wouldn't treat me because they're treating only COVID-19 patients right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, if you have any other issue, just stay the fuck away from the hospital because they're overloaded, crowded, packed to the hilt. Uh with with people dying of the coronavirus and they don't have time for your nonsense. But yeah, if you know, if I do croak and do croak over, I will be sure to let you know that it's coming, you know, well in advance. Like, hey, I got a little bit of chest pain, I'm going to go, you know, take a minute, then I'll be in touch, right? Like there's there's been there was one show. Uh, I think it was just me and MC at the time. Like I had like the worst allergy reaction mid-show like my my sinuses clogged up my eyes started to shut uh i started to lose my voice a little bit i think i sent you a picture of it after the show mc it was foul looking i was you know i i think it i really think at the time it was uh a reaction to like the the blood pressure medication that i was taking um you know it would it would occasionally you know give me some sort of reaction so my doctor said like Take it a night before you go to bed. That way if you have the reaction, you're already sleeping through it. I'm like, all right. So I did that for a while. But I, would, so I I have gotten ill on air before, you know, during this during the show before, and you know, no big deal. Power through it as best I can. And even like when when I got hit by a car, right? Like when I when I had my accident in 2016, right? Like I got knocked out. Um I came to consciousness and I was as coherent as you would expect. Um, uh, but I was also like immediately on my phone. So they're like, you know, they're, they're trying to load me up on the gurney and put me in the ambulance and all this and that. And I'm like, I'm texting people and you know, they're like trying to take my phone away. And I'm like, you guys just do your job, you know, like whatever you got to do, but there's people that need to know what just happened to me. And this is the way I can tell them. So, you know, so please carry on. And then I got to the hospital and they were like, you know, uh, you know, the, this whole separate thing. They're like, um, is there a reason why you don't want to take your pants off? Like you not want to be naked? I go, no, I just don't want you clowns to like cut my pants off. Right? Like you already ruined one set of pants because you wouldn't let me just pull them down and off. Right? Just pull them down. That's what, how, that's how you take pants off. You don't fucking scissor up the whole leg just to get, you know, just to get the pants off. It's so, like, I have no problem being naked. Right? If You want me to be naked? I'll be naked. Just, don't ruin my clothes, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, support the broken limb. That was the other thing. Fucking how, how good are these nurses during the corona thing? They're heroes, whatever, you know. Uh, as I'm laying there in the hospital and they're like trying to maneuver me about, I had to remind them like, hey, there's, my leg is broken, right? There's, like the bone is split into like three pieces down there. Can you grab above the brake and below the brake and support it at the same time? so that you're not lifting below the brake and folding my fucking leg in half as you're trying to move it on, move it around. Like, come on, let's, you know. So I'm telling them how to do their job, you know, as I'm supposed to be, you know, barely conscious and, you know, got hit by a car. So I'm not, I'm not impressed uh, necessarily with, <laughs> with, with the hero status of, of, of this, you know, wonderful group of people that we have out there right now. But, yeah, I won't, I, I might get excited. I probably won't die on air. Uh, but if I do, it'll be the best damn death on podcast you've ever heard.
2: <laughs> All
0: right. Don't trace me, bro. Uh, so you gave a, a little bit of a brief introduction. I got it right here in the, uh, in, the, in the article as well, so we'll flesh it out, Ken. Contact tracing. Really? That's the next big government program to push for total surveillance over our lives. Now, the real fallout from the corona apocalypse comes to light. The very people who created a fake pandemic out of faulty statistics, media fear pimping, and the rankest of propaganda are now pushing the total surveillance state to protect us, them, from the next crisis. So let's let's pause there, because I'm sure that the whole uh, fake pandemic media fear pimping propaganda might be a little overboard for some. Um, So where do you where do you guys
1: fall on that aspect of it? Uh, when you say it's government mandated, of course, that's that's another stage. Uh, uh, all the apps are going around all the time, and I, you know, I think Google and Apple have been uh, innovating with this kind of app as a, you know, an excellent service to the public through their commercial interests to build good public relations. Uh, so that people who wanted to download this app uh, could um, have, well, for one thing, it's kind of a social thing to have, as many of these apps are, but it also has the function of protecting your neighbors and friendless and all that, and if they download the app in the same way too, great, more power to them. My problem with it is when the government's going to mandate it because you can see where this sort of thing uh, would go in China and could go here, right? That the government might decide. Well, maybe your temperature isn't sufficient. Maybe we want to know, um, you know, uh, who you've communicated with in the last t- ten years and but uh, where you're traveling and like just, just, on cor- just on the just on the corona apocalypse.
0: Do you f- is this? Do you find this whole thing to be a fake pandemic based on faulty statistics? Or is there su- or is there sub- something substantial to
1: this, even if we disagree with the response well, I, I think the actual conclusion of that is yet to be known, but I think there's every reason to suspect that it could be something blown way out of proportion. Okay. However, I have to say this: I'm kind of glad that if we're dealing with uh, pushback and individual rights and all the libertarian arguments for checking the government. I'm glad that it's being tested in this kind of case that is a relatively mild uh, disease compared to what a pandemic could be. Yeah, I I would say we could have had, let's say, uh, uh, an egregious kind of deathly virus like Ebola that was much more contagious than it was um, that would set... The whole a much more panic among the whole population uh, than this coronavirus. It's been pretty mild, so we've we've sort of tested the system a lot with this. There's going okay. to be pushback and analysis for years to come about how we handled it and how better to handle the next
0: one. Well, my general fear is that the next one is going to be a cry-wolf scenario where it's actually going to be a real pandemic. But because of the <laughs> overreaction this time, no one is now going you, to believe you've it?
1: really got me scared. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. James Corbett. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, it yeah. could go that way. That we, that we could say, oh, this uh, petered out into nothing, so... They the lied one. to us the last time. <laughs> There's no way I'm
0: locking down my business this time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Uh, James Corbett from the Corbett Report just published an excellent video discussing contact tracing... As promulgated by who else, the Clinton Global Initiative to create an army of new brown shirts to assist our wise and benevolent leaders into managing us like livestock. Uh, James is urging us not to use their Orwellian term, and I agree with him. But the best way to do it, the, but the best way to do that is to make fun of it and them. I proposed just looking at them and saying, "Don't trace me, bro." Uh, as always, what they want to. As always, when they want to hurt us towards a terrible idea, they first have to come up with a harmless-sounding euphemism for it. Either that, or just call it the war that we're going to fight and win together, you know, for the kids. But this was always the plan with the virus. We can speculate as to why this has been done, why it was directed from the commanding heights of our society, but in the end, the speculation is irrelevant. This is happening, it's here, and they are now working to square the circle. The goal is to finish off the last vestiges of anonymity and individuality started with the destruction of financial privacy during the Clinton administration, which is wrapped in the classic government phrase, know your customer and anti-money laundering. Now those sets of rules, which got ramped up after 9-11, dominate the global financial landscape. But let's look at what happened with COVID-19 step by step. First, a virus shows up in China with people in the highest levels of our government were briefed about as early as November if Pepe Escobar's research is to be believed. Uh, There's some quotes in the article that I'm going to skip for the sake of time and discussion, so go ahead and read those if you want. Uh, Next, China, the gold standard for the Orwellian panopticon, proceeds to use that panopticon to prove to the world how effective government can be in containing a deadly plague. That model, which runs fundamentally counter to billions of years of evolution and basic immunology, is then propagated around the Western world to combat COVID-19, a disease which has the mortality rate similar to the annual flu, to shut down those economies, exacerbating a financial crisis already fully underway. This destroys the lives of hundreds of millions of people, it creates an economic dislocation that makes the Great Depression look like a mild recession, In places like Italy, France, and Spain, where youth unemployment has been in double digits for more than a decade, the lockdown was used as a way to tamp down social unrest as they were hotbeds for opposition to inept and increasingly fascistic governments. In the U.S., a country ruled by old, ideologically possessed, and corrupt boomers who have been in a heightened state of fear since Donald Trump was elected saw the opportunity to create the worst possible outcome in places like New York and California. Governors in blue states seized power they didn't legally have and cried for help that they didn't need. And the confusion and disinformation about the virus created so much fear, people willingly huddled into their homes hoping the angel of death passed them by with nothing more to do than be glued to the death counter in a desperate bid to stay informed about the science. But there weren't 2 million dead in the U.S. There was around 50,000. And those death statistics are very specious since the people reporting them have motive, means, and opportunity to inflate them to get federal aid, advance their political agenda, now fully on display, and cover their asses. Now, by contact tracing, which is just a euphemism for total surveillance, but they are admitting that they can't do this themselves. They need help. In totalitarian governments like the UK, they'll have an app, they'll have an app in a couple of weeks. China already has this, as you said, Ken, all across the enlightened Western countries uh, will now recruit tens of thousands of contact tracers to go out and build their networks for them, just like Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo discussed with Bill Clinton in the video linked above. And since there are now tens of millions of people out of work, desperate for jobs, and any sort finding recruits will be easy. See how this works? First, you destroy people's lives, then you print trillions in funny money to bail out the inept and continue paying the enforcers, ensuring they are fed, and then, when desperation reaches its peak, you create a new government program and turn people into snitches to ensure compliance. We're going to empower the worst busybodies who are already insane with fear to run around collecting data for the government, all in the name of getting the economy back up and running. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure when I read the Scarlet Letter in high school, we didn't consider Hester Prynne to be the bad guy because the person who is COVID 19 positive will now have a big red CV on them, which will limit their ability to partake in society. The next stage will be to force them to lock themselves down in isolation or face the de- depredations of the state. And even if we begin to ignore such insanity, the next step will be looked to other way when the contact tracers become belligerent. This is all about keeping everyone in a heightened state of fear all the time. The Karens will be worried about their stupid germ and everyone else will be worried about what the Karens will do. Because what good is this app if it doesn't report you to the authorities who know where you are? So the solution to a virus and the incompetence of governments is to turn busybodies into brown shirts and COVID positives into social pariahs. Do you realize what happens when you don't pay your parking ticket now? Eventually, your license gets suspended, then your car insurance gets canceled. If you don't turn your tags in for not having insurance, then you are risking jail time when you get stopped by the police. They arrest you for driving on a suspended license, impound your car, and the entire ordeal becomes a bureaucratic nightmare. The moral of your story, pay your parking ticket, obviously. Uh, But not because you're a bad person or committed a heinous crime, but because you broke the rules. If you don't follow the state's rules, no matter how petty, no matter how asinine, you will be punished to the full extent of the law. Do you really think that contact tracing system won't end up in the same kind of hell? Now you're a documented threat to other people's lives. You're an evil spreader, man. Think of the children. The state is only good at two things, killing people and creating perverse incentives. And if this isn't a classic case of creating the perverse incentive of destroying civilization in order to save it, I don't know what is. This is the real danger of 5G technology. It isn't China having a backdoor embedded by Huawei. It is the state having the ability to blanket the world in a high bandwidth snooping devices everywhere that people congregate. Their system is failing before our eyes. It's a system born of corrupt money begetting ever more greater institutional corruption. They wouldn't be pushing for this total surveillance if they weren't uniquely paranoid about our readiness to throw them overboard. Uh, they want us snitching on each other and, sus- and suspect of each other. This is the most pernicious a form of social control ever devised to distrust basic human contact and interaction because there are germs in the world. It's time to end the mass hallucination that we've never dealt with something like this before. The mass branding of this COVID-19 as the plague is laughable and the push for global surveillance is pathetic. Unfortunately, we live in a world today where the fearful are the empowered by the powerful to mob the non-compliant. COVID-19 isn't the plague, folks. If you think it's the crisis you should be fearful of, I urge you to seek therapy, not the false security of a government tracking app. Now, uh, before I jumped back in the article, Ken, uh, we were making some connection between a government app
1: versus, uh,
0: say, Google or Apple?
1: Yeah, sure. I think uh, a lot of people like to have Fitbits and and, uh, information about their heart and their health and their sleep and all kinds of things on apps. Uh, but as long as it's voluntary, but I think you're, you're also going to have a lot of pushback. Look how much pushback there was from the general public when they thought that, uh, Facebook was, um, tracking people uh, beyond what seemed reasonable into their privacy. I think that there'll be pushback from the general public about this too. Um, it hasn't been implemented yet i think there would be a lot of uh a lot of uh resistance to it i don't think it's uh it's a a a done deal yet
0: let's talk about fitbit for a minute because this is an interesting example um because there's a lot of uh people in the world right who are like are anti-google because google is basically anti-privacy right now Fitbit collected a whole bunch of data on you that you gave to Fitbit voluntarily, right? Because I want to know that you may not have volunteered to Google, but then Google buys Fitbit and collects all the data anyway. So is there, is there some, is there some way to, to have your cake or to, to eat your cake and have it too? Uh, Is there some way to have the benefits of those tracking apps without the fear of giving it to some large conglomerate or the fear that they might acquire it uh through some legal means
1: aren't there some servers other than google that have sprung up as competitors that promise a great deal more privacy than google
0: offers yeah maybe but you didn't you didn't contract with google you contracted with fitbit who then sold your information to google during the during the buyout right you didn't have a choice to go to a competitor because you didn't think you were dealing with google initially but now google has your information regardless
1: yeah maybe so uh i i guess these are in the kinds of things that are in your original agreements and i think that as people become alert to the ways that this information can be a problem for them they can choose to opt out in other words they disassociate disconnect you know put a, put aside their their smartphone and and um write letters I mean, there are huge trade-offs uh, by trying to decide that you're going to uh, disconnect from the the electronic world, but it's certainly possible. Yeah, tough. <laughs> well, and
0: there was—I don't—I don't have it uh, right off the top of my head, uh, but an interesting article for you to find, Ken. Um, this was—I think some sometime last year. Uh, there was there was a, a journalist, reporter, whatever who uh disconnected from the big 5 tech companies. Have you seen this? Have you heard of this at all? Um vaguely, but I okay. refresh my memory. Yeah. Uh I would find I I'm not going to get into the, all the details, but find the article. She she basically said like I'm not going to use um, you know Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft products for like a week.
1: Yes, I think right. I remember seeing hearing a, an interview with her, yeah.
0: Okay, read the article then because it's fascinating how many uh auxiliary facets uh all of these companies have in your daily life right it's it's nearly impossible to do anything in the world at all without utilizing some part of their technology right so it it it's definitely it's definitely a trade-off to say like nope i'm going to go back to like you know writing letters and you know driving like a 1970 pinto Right, I certainly can do that, uh, but man, like th- then you're then you're then you're you know then you're isolating out in the woods, basically hunting
1: for berries. Right. I mean, okay. Uh, tell me how this um, shapes then your freedom. You know, because uh, yes, I see that it's uh, a lot of information is gathered about you and that they processes and so on. But um, does that prevent you from just going ahead and and conducting your life however you choose um
0: you know for me personally no and i do i do associate with some people um who are the you know, the big one for them is like facebook right like everything happens on facebook and so if you disassociate from facebook you miss out on certain things you know
1: i just as a, a point there i i asked my uh students one time, why don't they post the club meetings on, on Facebook and they all looked at me like I was a dinosaur. Nobody uses that anymore. <laughs> well, the the point, of course, is that, you know, Facebook then does have Instagram and the others too. But, right. Uh, what are they using? Yeah, we, they're, they're still using something that's um,
0: uh,
1: owned by Facebook. Yeah. Right.
0: We had, this, I had this, a similar conversation with MC a few years ago. Right. I got, I got I I don't know if I'm, you know, blowing the lid off of something here mc i apologize if i am but i got a i got a message from mc so i'm leaving facebook delete all the messages that we've ever had through facebook messenger uh i'm done with it i don't want to use them i don't like their privacy he was trying to get away right he's like i'm moving to whatsapp i was like dude like facebook bought whatsapp like three years ago man (laughs) you're not going anywhere
1: you remember this mc I've heard that there's another one called Signal that is much more secure. Yep. I'm on Signal.
0: Mm-hmm. See, this is how accommodating I am in my regular life. Whatever app you want to use, I'm there. I've probably been there, right? This is another thing, you know, M- MC brought up to me. He's like, dude, you got to check out this library app, LBRY. Dot whatever, you know? Like, sounds familiar. So I checked it out. I'm like, sure enough. I had signed up for an account like two years prior. Like I'm, I'm on the bleeding edge, but no one, no one's there with me. Right. So if you want to get off Facebook, fine, let's get off of Facebook. I don't need to be on Facebook. I haven't posted anything personal, uh, on Facebook in over a month though. Maybe, maybe two, maybe three. I don't remember when I just, I, I cut ties with personal postings on Facebook. Um, but I still hang out there for news and to stay in touch. Um, and to, you know, pass the time, right? Like I read, I do my show prep. I read the news. I run out of headlines and go like, all right, what else is there to, is there to do while I'm sitting here? I right, check out Facebook. So I'll follow friends posts. I'll comment on friends things, but I don't post anything new. I haven't posted anything new in months. So I don't, I don't need it. Um, but where's everybody else, right? Where, where are your students, Ken? What app are they using?
1: Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're way ahead of me.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, during the end of the show, right the, when I run through the things, I've, I've been posting on Telegram. Right there's the Telegram channel, the Telegram group. That's dead because no one's fucking on Telegram with me. Uh, I do have the Signal app, so if you want to use Signal to communicate with me, I'm there as well. Uh, Float app came on the scene and check it out. Uh, set up an account and so what, right? You know, everyone try every time someone says like, "Hey, try this new thing, this alternative to Facebook," I do. Right, and it lasts maybe a week or two, but not enough people make the jump in any significant uh, quantity or time to to make it valuable uh, beyond that initial uh, whatever. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be tracked, right, it's gonna be by one of those big companies, um, and it's 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 prohibitively more difficult to disassociate completely voluntarily because what do you do and then and then because it's the you know the company's doing it private enterprise doing it and then selling off or working with you know the government right so what if apple and google contact trace you right well it's voluntary you got your iphone you got your google phone it's it's okay if they do it but then they hand it off to the government and
1: what's your recourse that could be i think we probably don't fear what's going to happen because we don't have our our guard up about all this stuff. You know, we say, okay, yeah, that could could happen. But we're not living in the era of the Cold War where we felt I mean and, and are certainly behind the Iron Curtain where we had every minute um to worry about uh our privacy. And so in a sense maybe we're lulled into a false sense of security, but uh, but I, I I'd say that we're not there yet where we're expecting to be sent to the concentration camp because of what we expect what we express i mean like right now i don't mind using my name on this podcast speaking very freely and openly i don't know where how it would be used but i i don't feel the apprehensions about it maybe one day i'll regret that i hope not but uh right now i'd say that uh but I, I agree with you that it, things could turn rapidly. You know, we've seen that in the, in the just the last two months, how uh, the panic and fear about this virus, as mild as it is, has has turned the whole country upside down in terms of the powers that have been granted to the government, or at least the government has assumed, and the willingness of uh, a lot of people just to go along with it. Um, well, yeah, and that civilization is a very fragile
0: thing. That's the lull right? By the time it becomes a problem and they're ready to load you up on the boxcars and send you to the concentration camps, they already have all the information they need to do that, right? Because maybe
1: your temperature measured a little high the last time a Stasi official went by your house, huh? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.
0: And because you had a Fitbit who then bought it, sold it to Google, who then gave it to the government, they know that you've been recording lower temperatures for the past five years, right? And all of Mm -hmm. a sudden it spiked. Right, mm-hmm. and you were like, "No, I was just trying to get my health app." Right, I just tr- was trying to do good for myself. Uh, well, too late, right? You know, too late. You gave it to them voluntarily, so the only thing you can do is do your best now uh, to withhold as much of that sensitive data from private enterprise as possible, especially those private enterprises that have a history of working uh, with the government. Right, have who have that, that crony relationship with the state. Sure. All right. MC, final thoughts? Nope. Ken, final thoughts? Nope. All right, let's wrap it there then. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. You know where to find us anarchistexperience.com. Uh, Telegram, like I said before, the Telegram page and group, t.me slash experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. Uh, if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, do it on Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. and we will talk to you all next week. Peace. Thanks a lot.